Bodies. Welcome to another episode of The Busyness Paradox. I'm Frank Butler, here with Paul Harvey. Good day. And I'm now recording from UTC's campus in our special podcasting room, which is pretty cool. Uh, we have some fabulous equipment in here, and uh, thanks to Sarah Kanatsi for helping me get set up. She does listen, so I want to make sure she gets the plug there. She's one of the good ones. She is definitely one of the good ones. I didn't realize you had a podcasting room there. We do actually, we got instructions. This is what, so Sarah has been hired on to like learning instruction and development process, that kind of stuff. And so, and, and I apologize, Sarah, I'm butchering the heck out of that. But <laughs> instructional design is her expertise and, but she's also into this technology stuff. So because we have her in the college cool. of business, she's been able to really push uh, for us to do some kind of, or, you know, really get us caught up to doing the things that we need to be doing to keep up with today's trends for the students and even for the faculty. So Does she want a side gig? Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> for our podcast? <laughs> yeah, I mean. A side hustle. Side hustle, yeah. exactly. No, but it is great to have her here. And uh, I'm happy that she's able to get this set up and we have it here because it makes it easy because I'm at work today and we have this great room. So thank you, Sarah. But we got something to talk about today. We do. Paul and I have, have taken the stance many, many times that we need to end the arbitrary 40-hour work week Focus on output. Let them have flexibility with their time. Let's not, you know, have this whole eight-hour day type thing. And it has its drawbacks too, right? Not every job can function that way where you could give them, you know, that slack if you're working on assembly line or... Really any job could potentially run into difficulties doing that. Right. But there are ways to plan around it, especially right. with the way things are going. And, and this kind of goes to the idea that John Maynard Keynes wrote about in the 1930s. And if you don't know who John Maynard Keynes is, he's a famous economist, uh, Keynesian economics or Keynesian, is it Keynesian? I think it's Keynesian economics. Keynesian. Yeah, yeah, Keynesian. It's named after him. And he wrote a piece that is called Economic Possibilities for Our Grandchildren. In this discussion, in this piece, there's a little nugget in here that, that really stood out. And what he's writing back in the 1930s is that we can get so much more productive the way productivity was increasing at that time, he basically calculated out that by 70 years later or something like that, or he said, you know, our grandchildren will have the possibility to work a 15 hour week or three hours a day for five days because of the huge monumental gains in productivity. So he was saying that not only could people do that, but that's like all the work that would be left to do. So we'd have to like spread it really thin, he's, uh, to use his term, so that people would have a job. You know, if some people were still working, well, back then, probably... 70, 80, whatever hours a week, other people would have no job. There'd be so little manual labor left to do because of productivity gains that by now we should be working 15 hour weeks. Exactly. And, you know, technically he's not wrong, really. You know, if we go back to the, the example way back when, when we talked about spreadsheets and doing them on paper versus using Excel, yeah. right? That alone, I think, embodies the essence of what Keynes was really getting into. What did um, we say in that very first episode, or maybe second episode, about out of a typical eight hour day? Something like three of it was spent idle or something like that. Yeah, it was it was spent on wasted activities, right? Wasted like time. Checking yeah. Facebook or, you know, social media, playing solitaire. Right, just, you know, right. three hours a day on average. Based on whatever study that was. But well, right there, you can almost chop your eight-hour day in half. And then you figure all the things that aren't waste, quote-unquote, wasted time, like unnecessary meetings and stuff that count as work but aren't really accomplishing anything. Yeah, you can get down to three hours pretty quickly if you, if you try. 
the whole meeting thing, right? I mean, we talked about this. They, they added levels of bureaucracy and, and people needing to feel like they've got to do something. So therefore they get staff and then it's like, oh, we're tracking new stuff. Hey, you take away all that unnecessary burdens. And yeah, I mean, you're spot on, right? We're, we're looking at that. Now, are we saying that we can get every job down to 15 hours a week? Probably not because some of the jobs have changed, you know, as a result of the productivity shifts. But I mean, there's some benefits to that though. There's some some added value that you get because of the way that the jobs have changed, the productivities have changed, that's changed the expertise required in some of these areas. And so there creates value. But I guess still the point well, is that we could work less and expect less work. There is just to, to cover all our bases. I think we should keep in mind there are jobs like ours, really, that don't really have set minimums or maximums and might still choose to do more, like, say, an artist. You know, if you if you're a painter, you might paint more than 15 hours a week just because it's what you love doing and da, da. And there's jobs where those productivity increases aren't really relevant. So just to kind of draw some boundary conditions, we are talking about a, a sector of jobs that can be economized and made more efficient. It's not something that applies to every type of work. Right, exactly. So this was sort of interesting. And it was really triggered by this article I came across on Reddit. It was the 15-hour work week, Keynes and AOC, and AOC being Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. And don't get me wrong, I'm, I don't necessarily always agree with her politics per se. Not so much. But I certainly do appreciate what she was trying to do in this message, bringing yeah. Keynes's, Keynes's message to the forefront and having that conversation. Now, the author of this article, Bill Connerly on Forbes, he was basically was saying that we can work it out to figure out that a person could work basically a 15-hour work week and have a the ability to live Comfortably now, this is the argument he made, although I think we came across so, something in the article. That back was like, up. Ah, sorry. What was AOC's argument in this article? Um, I, I was so focused on the Keynes element that- I know, right? I, I just realized <laughs> I was doing the same thing myself. Like, I, I think she was what, basically what saying that- Oh, that's what it was. Is that uh, AOC, I think, was saying that Keynes had said that we could do a 15-hour work week, but we don't pay people a living wage- at 15 hours so they could survive, right? I mean, just people couldn't survive yeah. working 15 hours. She says, the gains in productivity have come, but have not been distributed to the workers doing the more productive work. She implies that a working person cannot support a family working just 15 hours a week. Exactly. And so the way this guy was calculating it out, he's basically saying, yeah, you could do that following a minimalistic lifestyle. Find cheap housing close to public transportation. And this is the one that stood out to me. He's like, find cheap housing close to public transportation. Well, in the United States, not a lot of places necessarily have good public transportation. And in some cases, in some places, the cost of living near that public transportation can be significantly higher just because of the ideal location being close to the transportation. So that stood out. I think he was kind of grounding this in England and British society since Keynes was British. So... yeah. It makes more sense if you're in Europe, but yeah, in the U.S., that's uh, probably not something that's going to help with this minimalistic lifestyle. Exactly. And, you know, what he says here is like, you know, you could have a minimalistic lifestyle, work 15 hours a week and, and be fine. And, you know, it says here, find cheap housing close to public transportation. So no car or one older model for the family. Own a couple of shirts, a couple of pairs of pants, a few pieces of underwear, and then use the public library for entertainment and then cook at home. Well, granted, yeah, I mean... That's minimalistic, but I don't know about you, but I think the average person wants a little bit more than probably that too. They want to be able to do a little bit more than that. Right. My read of this article is that that's kind of where he's going with this. 
that we've redefined over the years what the minimum acceptable standard of living is. So he's talking about, you know, you could certainly live like the commoners did during Keynes' time in the early 1900s if you worked 15 hours a week, but, you know, you'd be living 12 people to a room and a survivable lifestyle, but not a very fun one. So we've kind of, for better or for worse, raised our expectations of what it means to have an acceptable lifestyle. And in the U.S., that typically means you know, motorized transportation and an apartment or a house to yourself or to your you know, one family per, not like multiple generations of families living together, more than two shirts, <laughs> that kind of thing. I like free swag, you know, so actually I got a friend who I think only wears free swag that he gets for clothing. He, per, he could probably get away with some of this, but I don't think he would want to just, you know. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of communities you can find out there. Uh, if you look up FIRE, uh, financial independence, retire early. Yes, yes. whole community that you know advocates for this. It basically says, you know, you work like a normal person and just live as minimalistically as possible. And then you can retire when you're like 45 or something like that. So, you know, there are people who choose to go this route, but it's not for everybody. I, I can't even imagine, honestly, like, I like going to see concerts on occasion, you know, we're going to go see the Chili Peppers in Nashville next year when they're on their tour or the Punch Brothers. We're going to go watch them in, oh, in cool. January uh, here in Chattanooga. So it's those those little extras. And I know it says you could go to the library and for entertainment because you can rent DVDs for free there. You can get TV shows on DVD, all that kind of stuff through your library. You can get books. Do that in Tallahassee. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's a great way to do it. But I mean, you know, people want Netflix. People want to be able to do a little bit more and get out of the house and, and have the ability to eat out on occasion. So it, if you're if you're good with that minimalistic lifestyle, you know, you, you're still a minority uh, of people, like right? the po- a percentage of the population. But I think it's a relevant point that some of the burden of, you know, some of the reason why we're not living the Keynesian dream of working 15 hours a week now in 2021 is partly our fault, partly because we've set the bar a little bit higher for the things we want in our lives and that we therefore need to spend more money on. That darned capitalism. It's all capitalism's fault. <laughs> creating, a, you know, creating that the zombies who just want the brands. And, and I'm, I'm saying this heavily sarcastically, folks. I know you can't see it, you know, or necessarily hear it, but I am being sarcastic about it. And, and largely because it's a sign of that, that they've arrived, that they're, they're getting some sort of accomplishment for the work they do, right? There's this sort of reward mechanism you get from buying concert tickets because it's like, man, I've been busting my butt. Now I can go afford these tickets, that kind of stuff. And I mean, don't get me it's, wrong. There's a lot of societal issues that we got to solve, but. It's a different thing to buy concert tickets to like see your favorite band versus, you know, buying a $50 t-shirt as opposed to a $8 t-shirt because it's made by such and such brand and you think other people will care. be impressed or yeah. something, care. Or you buying know, a Rolex instead of a $10 yeah, Timex. You know, yeah, you know, what kind of idiot buys a Rolex? I don't know. Let me, let me check my time. Oh, it's a little fast. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, yeah, it's probably time to send it in for its uh, you know, $700 service it's service and, and, and granted it's ter- certainly time to send mine back it, i think it's like every five years and i'm on every five years i'm up i think the last time mine went out for service was, was when i was in grad school Ooh, wow yeah that's quite yeah it's, it's it's due i believe mine was when Ella was born so five years yeah yeah you're you're right there you're you're doing better than me um <laughs> anyways idiots buying rolexes yep <laughs> but yeah your points are accurate right having the discretion to pay extra for something that has maybe some sort of intrinsic value to you or some sort of other type of value 
the point still stands though, is that we could work less time at the end of the day because we do have this changing expectations out there. And you got to think, you know, compared to the 1950s to today, right? The variety of things that are out there or even the 1930s, right? I mean, the variety of entertainment options you can have, right? You can get basic cable or you can get, you know, the gold package or whatever it is. And then you can get the HBO add-on and you can get Netflix, blah, blah, blah. You know, there's that. But then the movie theaters, all these things, like, you know, everything is expanded exponentially, right? I mean, all the different aspects of it. It used to be radio. You could only listen to radio. You know, there was no television. Then we added television and radio. We still had, but television was very limited. Television exploded. Now we have it in digital streaming and the movie theaters have grown and blah and blah and blah. And so there's all these things. And that's just in one segment of entertainment. You know, I mean, mm -hmm. think about everything else. And of course, technology's helped with that and growing incomes in general. I mean, technically it's flat, but, you know, we've got more discretionary money to spend these days than we've had in, in general because of yeah. the way it's going. It's just, you know. The flatness of income that you hear a lot about depends very heavily on how you how you measure it like your start and end date and, you know, these things fluctuate all the time like all of a sudden keynesian economics again um inflation has been real high the last few months yes so what would have been an increase in real wages a few months ago is now looking flat again or maybe even negative so it, it's a tricky thing i think we covered that in an episode too didn't we i think we did <laughs> it As sounds familiar that, i feel like we've maybe talked about that before you know, this is what's happened, folks, is that now Paul and I have recorded so much stuff that we're forgetting mm -hmm. what we've recorded, which isn't a bad thing, actually. So No, not entirely. But I think the question here is how many people are kind of already working 15 hours a week and just yes. packaging it in a 40, 50, 60 hour work week? That is a that is a great question. So maybe Keynes was right, but he didn't foresee the fact that we would just backfill the other 25 whatever hours a week with busy work and useless meetings and stuff. That still makes me think about those people who were going to the work from home and they got a second job because they were only working like 15 hours and getting paid a full living yeah, wage. Exactly. Right? The proof it, is in the pudding. The proof know, is like in the pudding. We've seen it happen with work from home. Yeah. So count the number of hours you're actually working each week and see if you're already living the Keynesian dream of a 15-hour work week without realizing it. And here's something that we, we should actually also address in that idea of counting the hours you work in a week. I feel like my time, like it just, I'm like, what am I, what happened to my week, right? There's a lot of things that might not be directly related to your job. Like you don't have to do them for your job, but you're doing them because they're fun or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so they might be sort of tangentially related to your job, but they're, they're not really the core element of it. Job adjacent. Or job adjacent, right? You got to, you got to also consider those activities too. Are you counting that towards your time? Because technically that's not your work time. Do you have in mind there? Well, like, you know, citizenship behavior type activity. Yeah. So there's the citizenship behavior stuff. But like, I'm just thinking about it today. Um, I, I have the Frank W. McDonald professorship here at UTC. And Frank W. McDonald was the president of the Times Free Press. And he was the, the son of the, the founder of the Chattanooga Times Free Press. And so part of that professorship is I have to, like, I, I received it because of some of my work I do for the community, right? So I work with the Medal of Honor Heritage Center. I'm on their board, uh, their advisory board. I've worked with other organizations in town, like the Houston uh, Museum of Decorative Arts. So there's been other organizations I've worked with, my, veteran, my service to the Veterans Entrepreneurship Program, these sort of external things that I don't have to do, right? They're not necessarily a part of my job, but I've now kind of made them a part of my job. <laughs> yep. But they're not, not something I have to be doing. My wife used to give me a lot of, well, she struggled with that. It, it, it's something that I guess 
if you don't have the sort of job where that happens, it's hard to kind of wrap your head around. So here are the things that you're required to do to get a paycheck and not get fired. But then you do all this other stuff and you don't get paid for that. But you kind of sort of are rewarded in a way sometimes, but not always. Like, what the hell? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I mean. So I I see your point. Yeah, sometimes we just get ourselves involved with additional work because hopefully because we want to. We just find it intrinsically interesting or something. Yeah. But yeah, and, and that's it, right? You do it because you find it interesting. You you, you know, you get personal value out of it. Right. There's there's a lot there, but at the same time too, it's not necessarily something you have to be doing, right? It's not really right. that core element to your job. Thinking about that, it's like, how much do you really work? Because like, I think about all the things that I start getting myself involved with and it's like, do I really need to be doing that? No, but I'm enjoying doing it. So I'm going to do it. Right. I feel like I'm constantly running around like a chicken with my head cut off because mm-hmm. I've overboarded myself in a sense. Mm-hmm. That's what happens. Yeah. It goes back to that too much time management stuff that we talk about, the time blocking, those kinds of things yep. can actually make yourself busier and, and what have you. Yep. And that's sort of what happens here. And so that's the caution that we have to have. What's really your job versus what are you doing for whatever motivation that it might be? Right. Not to say that you have to stop doing that. Stuff, no. But, yeah. No. Yeah. But if you're thinking about like, what's the real amount of time that you work? You know, right. Think about it from that perspective. What is it that you're doing that's that's extra versus, you know, and I'm not talking about the busy work stuff because that shouldn't count, right? That you're, you're right. sort of- Don't count the busy work. But focusing on, on your actual job. The value add stuff that you do. Yeah. And then do something with that information. It's just kind of nice to have an accounting of how you're spending your time. Yeah. So if you find yourself overburdened or not enough free time, you've kind of got a, a starting point of, okay, where can I cut back? And what that's it. A lot of the stuff you can cut back on is the stuff that you enjoy doing. And yeah, the stuff that you can't cut back on is the grunt work that we all have to do sometimes. But that's the thing is that you might have to have that reset, right? Especially if you're feeling like you're overworked, you might have to make that tough decision, right? And that's something that is hard to do because you're doing those things because you, you're entertained by them, you're enjoying it, but it's hurting you, right? It's hurting you in a lot of different ways. It could yeah. be hurting you from finding another job. It could be hurting you from, uh, you know... Health-wise. Health-wise, right? Or spending time with the family. or yep. And I think that the health-wise going into the mental health end, right? It might make you start getting into this feeling of this downward spiral. Oh my gosh, I, I can't get everything done. You know, you start having anxiety mm-hmm. from that and stuff. And so it's important. It's important to look at it and really take account of your time. What is it that you're doing for your job? And what is it that you're doing that's extra? Yep. But then you could also think about it and go, hey, you know, maybe Keynes is right about the whole 15-hour work week thing and productivity. Yeah. And, you know, take stock of your, your own goals. You know, if you find that you're really doing about 15 hours of true work every week and it's possible to do so, maybe there's a room for a side hustle for you, or maybe a mental health break can be done or whatever you want to do. But we often fall into this trap of thinking, oh my God, I'm too busy. I'm too busy. I'm too busy. When really, if we have an accurate accounting of what we're doing with our time, we can often find that we're wasting a lot of it. Yeah, wasting isn't the word I want to use. Yeah, wasting is not, yeah, but I, I know what you're saying. And I think yeah. that's something that's important to think about, though. Keeping a journal of your time, right? Like keeping track. And you time don't track her. Yeah, you know, just, and, and don't be like super like rigid about it, but, you know, at least take a point every once in a while to stop and go, okay, what did I do? How did I, I spend my time and keep it logged for a week? And just see what your average week looks like. And you might find things that you're like, well, I could cut this out, or this is certainly causing a lot more stress for me than these other things, right? You'll probably find that you spend 30 hours a week on email. (laughs) Just be aware of that. Yep. Your favorite. (laughs) 
We have some yeah. episodes on that. We do. Definitely check those out. All right. But hey, folks, um, you know, tell us your thoughts. What do you think about that 15-hour work week idea? You know, was Keynes right? Do you think you could get your job done in 15 hours a week? If not, what would be the ideal time, right? What would be the ideal work week for you from a time perspective? Obviously, I think some people say zero, but Keynes' argument was that zero is not rational because there's a sort of like an internal drive to have to do something uh, for most people that exists. Like feed yourself. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Very good. Well, folks, thanks for listening. Till next time. Get back to work. Good day. Good day. Stole it. Ha. Damn you. <laughs> the Busyness Paradox is distributed by Paul Harvey and Frank Butler. Our theme music is adapted from It's Business Time by Jermaine Clements and Brett McKenzie. Our production manager is Justin One Take. We hope you've enjoyed this episode and we'd love to hear from you. Please send any questions, comments, or ideas for future episode topics to input at busynessparadox.com or find us on Twitter. Also, be sure to visit our website, busynessparadox.com, to read our blog posts and for links to the articles and other resources mentioned in today's show. Finally, please take a moment to rate and follow or subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, or, I don't know, wherever the heck you get your podcasts.